0: Do you ever get that feeling that life is chaotic, that it's out of control, that it's constantly busy with so many things to do, people to see, places to go? You just wish that there was like, that God had made like 25 hours in the day or 26. Like, why is it just 24 hours? Maybe you could compare it to this guy, a plate spinner. Who, you know, one by one he gets the plate spinning, but by the time he gets to number, you know, five or six, he's got to be rushing back to the start to keep keep the other one spinning. It, it seems like it, it's, you know, never ending. And full, full disclosure, by the way, I nixed this illustration from Do More Better. So it's just another little plug for the book there. Um, I don't know whether you can relate to that. Do you ever feel like this? I think we all probably feel like that at, at some point or another. For some people, it might describe every week, every day. And sometimes we just have to let a plate fall. We neglect a certain area of our lives and it's just so, like, it's so guilt-inducing, it's so painful to do that. But we have to just kind of do it and move on because we're so busy, we can't cope with everything. Whether that's you keeping loads of plates spinning or if you're just keen to know how you can fulfill those words that Paul wrote to Titus, to be uh, careful to devote yourself to doing what is good, then I want to try and help you out. I want to build on the foundations that we laid last week to help us think through how we can be effective in fulfilling our mission to serve God and to do good to others. So my aim today isn't to make you, like, sign up for more stuff or cram more things into your schedule or, uh, you know, Tick off more things on your to-do list. I'm not going to give you like a list of quick tips and tricks. Um, I'm not going to kind of say this is a system that you must use if you want to be productive. Um, and, and to be honest, I'm not a productivity expert by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I, but I hope that I can help help us think together, um, like how how we can how we can bring order to our chaos, so that we might do the things that matter uh, and do them for God's glory so today first um, we're going to go over uh, a little recap from last week just in case you weren't here and um, then we're going to look at some ways to be ineffective in our productivity um, and then we'll spend a bit of time thinking about how we can be effective what a good model of productivity might look like so uh, let me just uh, pray for us as we as we go into that Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of the, uh, the resources, the gifts, the talents that you've given us. Um, and yeah, we pray that you would help us uh, today um, to think through those things carefully and how, how we can um, fulfill our responsibilities and, um, and do good to others and serve you, Lord. I pray that you would help me as I speak to be uh, clear and to be uh, truthful, um, and that you would give us all uh, listening hearts to hear from you. Amen. Okay, so if, if you've not listened to last week, um, I would recommend it. It's kind of, um, yeah, to, the the talk this week kind of comes directly out of what we talked about last week, um, obviously not right now. Um, go and have a look later, it's on the website. Um, so yeah, we, we started by using a parable um, last week, one of Jesus' parables. Um, To build this like framework to help us think about productivity in a biblical way, Uh, and the parable goes something like this: A master was going away on a long journey, and he gave three of his servants some of his money, some of his wealth. Um, He gave one servant five bags of gold, one of them two, and one of them one. Uh, And when he returned, the first two servants had doubled their money, and the master was really pleased, and he commended the servants for doing that, for for being productive, for their faithfulness and their diligence. But the third servant had just gone away and buried his bag of gold in the ground because he was afraid of the master. He he kind of opted for safety. So he hadn't made anything. He gave back to the master exactly what was given to him. And the master was not pleased with that. So we had had four distinctives from that of a a Christian approach to productivity. The first was a distinctive uh, definition um, here are the four things up there. So, um, the definition of productivity that we had is uh, effectively using the resources God has invested in me to serve Him and do good to others. Effectively using the resources God has invested in me to serve Him and do good to others. What is ours? Our time, our money, uh, our, our talents, our abilities. They're not really ours, but they're gifts that God has learned to us for the time that we're here on earth. And our goal doesn't centre on me, it centres on God, on serving him and doing good to others. And then our foundation uh, for living a productive life is the wonderful truth that if we trust in Christ, God loves us unconditionally. And he is as pleased with us as he ever will be, as he possibly could be, because we are clothed in in all of the good things that Christ has done. And therefore, we are spared on to serve him, to produce fruit. And so these things, things, this productivity, fruit, are the result of our foundation. They're the the fruit, not the root. If you remember that little illustration from last week of the tree. Uh, And then we looked at how there are some great motivations as well in this parable. fulfilling our responsibilities as God's holy people being ready for Christ's future return Um, and and also the reward that there will be in heaven to those who have been faithful and finally uh, we saw how we can accomplish good because of a distinctive power the power of God's grace at work in us so we're going to get into more of the the practical stuff now Um, and like I said it's a bit different um, to what we normally do, where we take a book of the Bible and preach through it week by week. Um, and honestly, I'm a bit nervous about that, um, because, because it is a bit different. Um, but we'll see how we go, and hopefully it'll be um, all based on the Bible, if we're not you know, preaching through a, a particular passage. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to make you like flick through to different parts of the Bible, um, but any key verses I'll try and put up on the screen for you. Okay, so let's think about how we can be ineffective. Productivity is hard. If it was easy, then we'd all be brilliant at it. You know, breathing is easy. Blinking is easy. Uh, Scrolling through our social media feeds is pretty easy. And they all come naturally to us. But living a productive life is difficult. It doesn't come naturally. It does require hard work. And that's because there are loads of ways that we can be unproductive, and I want to think about five of what I think are the most most important ones. So first of all, it's already up there, laziness. This is the most obvious way to be ineffective, is having the ability to do something, but actually doing nothing. To be effective, to be productive, obviously we've got to do something. That was one of the charges leveled at the third servant in the parable, wasn't it? You wicked, lazy servant, the master said. While the other servants put the money to work, this guy just went and did the easy thing. He sat around doing, I don't know what, not much else the rest of the time. Over the summer, we looked at the book of Proverbs here on Sundays, and, and that book has a lot to say about lazy people. In particular, a character called the sluggard, which is not a word we use very much nowadays, but it's a great word. Um, I'd love to call someone a sluggard. Um, here, so here's a couple of verses from uh, Proverbs. First one, Proverbs 6, verse 9. How long will you lie there, sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? And then Proverbs chapter 21, verse 25. The craving of a sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. So laziness is sinful and it's not to our ultimate advantage even if it feels good at the time. There are different levels of laziness though, aren't there? I'm sure you can kind of rank people in your head. This guy there, this sluggard, he's the extreme. There's one verse in particular where he's described as being so lazy, he puts his hand into his bowl of food to get it out, but he can't be bothered to even pick it up and put it to his mouth. He's so lazy. And I'm sure that wouldn't apply to anyone here if it did, I mean, you, you probably wouldn't be here. You'd still be at home in bed. So it's kind of self-selecting, really. But but we do all tend towards that comfortable life. We all tend to, to do the easy things rather the, than the important things. Or, or we go for the quick and thoughtless tasks rather than those ones that require effort and the things that will produce the most fruit. Because if we we think about it, that that servant in the parable didn't do absolutely nothing, did he? The third servant, he didn't do nothing. He had to go and dig a hole. He did something. He just, he didn't do, he did the easy thing. So if we're to be effective, we can't be lazy. The second way um, that we can be ineffective, oh, getting a little preview there, um, is busyness. This might surprise you. Surely we can counter, counteract laziness by being busy. Well, actually, I think busyness can be just as much a drain on productivity as laziness. Sure, we might have, we, we might have periods that are busy and that, that is normal uh, for most of us, but if busyness is the thing that characterises our life, then we're probably not being productive. I, I, I've lost count of how many times if people ask me how I am, usually the answer is, I'm good, very busy. I'm sure a lot of you can, um, can relate to that. But if, if that says it's likely that instead of being productive, we're, we're doing for the sake of doing. We're cramming in as many activities and appointments um, and responsibilities as possible. So that we can look or so that we can feel like we're achieving something. So that we can look like we're doing something. Business is dangerous because it usually shifts the focus back onto me. It's like we're trying to prove ourselves. Like, like our value and our worth are wrapped up in how much we do. But as Christians, we already know that we are infinitely valuable and loved and, and, and have worth because of what Christ has done for us. That there is nothing for us to prove Jesus has done it already. Uh, There's a book, um, I've not read it, but I've heard good things about it, called Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung. And uh, here's a quote from it. He says, Busyness does not mean you are a faithful or fruitful Christian. It only means you are busy just like everyone else. I would say that in our society, we are in the middle of a busyness epidemic. And I include myself in that, I struggle with that. But if we're gonna produce fruit in our lives, then we have to give up our busyness for the sake of our productivity. Okay, thirdly then, uh, closely linked to busyness is idolatry. Uh, And actually idolatry of productivity can be one of the, the roots of our business, our unproductive business. Um, I'm sorry to keep quoting uh, Americans, but here's uh, a paraphrase from, from Tim Keller. Idolatry is simply taking good things and turning them into ultimate things. We've already gone over the benefits of productivity. Hopefully um, you all think by now that it's a good thing, but it can become an ultimate thing if we're not careful. The to-do list can become our God the feeling of ticking off the tasks our reward we no longer have time to help people in need because we have a list of things that i've got to get done today and we can't afford to take time out to chat to that friend or run an errand for that neighbor we feel good and we sleep easy when we can get to the end of the day and think all of my tasks for the day have been done And then if we leave things undone, we, we're, we're restless, we, we feel guilty. But this really doesn't flow from the right foundation, does it? I Hope you can see that. We, we've made productivity the goal of our lives rather than a, a tool or a means of achieving the goal. We've moved our eyes off our savior, Jesus, who died so that we could be made, be made right with God And and we now feel that our standing with God is, is on the basis of how many things we've ticked off that list. Again, I've got to confess that sometimes this does describe me. But to be productive, we've got to relegate productivity to its rightful place in our lives. To put it ahead of God and ahead of our goals, remember our goals are serving God and doing good to others, to put it ahead of those things is just... It's just stupid. So to be productive, we must not make an idol of it. Another way to be ineffective is to compare the visible fruit of our lives with other people. There's a couple of things to say on this. Uh, First of all, it's rarely a healthy thing to compare yourself with other people. And, And the area of productivity is no exception to that. If we come off better in the comparison, then we'll start to feel pride and, and laziness might kick in. And if we come off worse, then we'll probably end up racked with guilt and prone to, to busyness. that there isn't really any good to be gained from it, any harm. Again, it's, it's a matter of idolatry, idolatry really, is losing sight of the foundation. The thing which saves you isn't God's grace in Jesus Christ anymore but whether you get in ahead of Joe Blogs in the rankings. I mean, it sounds ridiculous when I put it like that, but I think most of us do it, don't we? We should only be aiming to maximally please God with what we have, not trying to one-up other people. Remember that the first servant in the parable made five bags of gold, and the second servant only made two but their commendation from the master was identical. It's word for word. We're not in competition. We're simply called to effectively use the resources that we have. And I said there were two, two things on this. The second is that often we, we just have the wrong idea about what fruit looks like. I don't, I don't mean that we can't tell our watermelons from our pomegranates, but that we narrow our definition of fruit so, so that it makes it look like our lives are unfruitful when we compare ourselves with others. And I think that the biggest way that this comes out is we often have this idea that some tasks or some jobs are more inherently uh, like holy and God-honoring than others. Things like, you know, being a minister or being a missionary or serving on rotors in church or reading the Bible. And I don't, I don't want to reduce those things in the slightest, but what I want to do is elevate the rest of life I want us to have uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31 etched onto our hearts and into our minds. Whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Changing babies' nappies can be as God-glorifying as leading the children's ministry. Filling in some dull paperwork can be as God-glorifying as writing a sermon saying a kind word to a neighbour or a colleague can be as God-glorifying as sharing, you know, sharing a message at a conference with hundreds and hundreds of people. These things all produce fruit because we are serving God and doing good to others. And that means that the productivity is for everyone. Everyone can produce fruit in the normal, everyday things of life. Okay, the, the final area of ineffectiveness that I wanna talk about is self-dependence. And what I mean by that is the attitude that it's all down to me, it's down to my abilities that will help me to achieve my goals. But we can never really be productive if we think that way. Remember our distinctive definition? It's effectively using the resources God has given me. They are his, our time, our energy, our passions, our gifts and our abilities, they are God's investment in us. We've not earned them, and they're not guaranteed. They can be taken away in an instant. And remember our distinctive power as well, the ability to be productive and fruitful in a way that matters comes from the amazing grace of God at work in our hearts, and and the Holy Spirit renewing our hearts, making them new. Without God, we wouldn't be able to do anything. We must constantly rely on him, and not in ourselves, not in our abilities, not in our plans, our system, or our tools. This means that those who aren't believers, who have not received and accepted God's grace, and don't have the Holy Spirit working in them, Cannot truly produce any fruit in their lives. If you're not a Christian here today, it's great that you've come along, uh, and, I, and I hope that you find some of this really helpful. Um, but the good news of the gospel is where you need to start. We are all sinners, alienated from a holy God because we've turned away from him, because we've rejected him, we turn our backs on him. But out of his great love for us, he sent his son to take on the punishment. Instead of us. Why not make it a resolution this year. To investigate the claims of Jesus for yourself. And see if they stack up. We've got this Christianity Explored evening on Tuesday. Come along to that. If you're interested. Okay. So that's how to be ineffective. This is the bit you've been waiting for really isn't it. You, you want to know how to be effective. The practical stuff. How can I be effective in carrying out my God-given abilities? How can I produce fruit in my life? How can I be productive? Uh, so some of this stuff um, is, is based on that book, Do More Better. Buy it at the end, five pounds. Um, but I've just tried to take the main ideas out of that um, without being too prescriptive. Uh, I, think, I think I already said it earlier, but I, I don't want to give you like a system that, you know, you've got to use this. But I want to provide just a general, like a general model, a general approach um, that, that i found to be effective for me. Um, and hopefully you will work out your own kind of version of it as you apply it to your life. So the very first thing we need to do is to define our goals. Trying to do productivity without goals is a bit like uh, trying to get your satin nav to tell you where to go without giving it a destination. If we don't know where we want to go, it's hard to get there. It's impossible to get there, in fact. Uh, in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he writes this, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. So bearing fruit is living in a way which pleases God. And we, we know broadly what that involves. We've already defined it. It's serving him and doing good to others. But that, that's a little bit kind of open, a bit vague, a bit hard to work with. So what I think is helpful is dividing your life into different areas of responsibility. Um, so, that, so that we can ask that question of what pleases God in more specific ways. So divide your life up into those areas and then define a mission statement for each of them. And a mission statement would be like our our idea of what success will look like in this area. What pleasing God will look like. Uh, It'll help you to get a grasp of how you're doing in each area. And and your goal is basically fulfilling that mission statement. So let me give you an example of that. Um, I've got five areas of responsibility. uh, Personal household, church, work, and family and friends." So in that area of responsibility called church, my mission statement is this, I will love, serve, and teach my brothers and sisters in Christ at Rotherham Evangelical Church and enable the church's mission to spread the gospel. So it should be fairly short, fairly simple. Uh, Don't make it too kind of far-reaching or too vague. but don't, don't kind of spend too long on it because it's not fixed. Um, and in fact, it should change because as we, um, as we get to know, the, uh, know God's word better, um, as, as we grow in our relationship with him, we'll have a better idea of what pleases him. and What, what that success will look like. Of course, all, all, all of these should be in line with our overall mission statement of serving God and doing good to others. Um, and not everyone is gonna have the same set of areas of responsibility. Um, I'd say maybe you know five or six different areas of responsibility you should probably aim for. And then once you've divided your life into these areas of, of responsibility, you can further subdivide those into different kind of projects within that area are different tasks. For example, um, in the church um, area of responsibility, I've got projects for uh, Running Forge, uh, one for preaching and teaching, one for Ignite, uh, for church membership, um, etc. So now that you've got your mission statement, um, when you're asked to take on new projects or new, new tasks, you can kind of have a look. Does that, w- will that help me to achieve my Go, will it help me to um, fulfil my mission statement in this area? Uh, And and if it doesn't, uh, maybe you need to kind of think seriously about is is this a good thing for me to take on at this time? Um, Obviously, that's not to say you can never do something which doesn't fit with your mission statement. Um, You know, life is is a lot more messy than that. Uh, but But if you're constantly taking on things that are not in line with your own kind of goals and mission statement, then you're probably not gonna be productive. Okay, so now we've got our areas and our projects, we can start thinking about what we're actually gonna do. Um, You're not gonna be very productive by just waiting for opportunities to come along, but by planning to do good. Planning is absolutely essential to doing productivity well. So the next thing, if we can get the slide to go on, is look forwards. And there's a verse from Proverbs chapter 21 that says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. So before we dive into doing stuff, our next job is to make plans, to plan out which tasks you're going to do in each area. And this is where the to-do list comes in. Uh, you might have an app for it or you might like to use the good old pen and paper um, but whatever method you use I think it's a great idea to keep a list of tasks that you want to do in each area, in each project um, you, you could keep it in your brain if you've got a good memory uh, but I don't see the point in that um, because we've got good tools that will help us kind of outsource that thing and then it leaves more space in our brain for other more important things So so some of these tasks might be like regular things that you've got to do. Um, So, you know, in Forge, uh, I've got a repeating task every couple of weeks that says, send an email out to the leaders to let them know what's going on in the next Forge. Um, Other things will be more like one-offs. Some might be um, really important or urgent. Other ones might be more mundane um, and less important. They might not even have a particular deadline. It's good not to make your tasks too big. Uh, definitely don't have a task that says, clean the house. That is a bad example of uh, adding a task to your to-do list because you'll get to it and you'll be like, where do I even start? Well, if, if you're me anyway, in my house. Instead, have, just have separate tasks like, you know, hoover the living room or clean the toilet. That is much more uh, manageable and achievable, achievable in my experience. And by the way, yeah, cleaning the house is a productive thing to do. It's doing good for the others who live in your house. It's doing good for the visitors who come to your house and it's doing good for you as well. Just a little sidetrack there. Uh, So planning uh, what we're gonna do is important but equally as important as planning what we're gonna do is planning when we're gonna do it. Good time management is one of the keys to good productivity. I think it's good to, to try and make some space to thoughtfully plan out the tasks that we're gonna that, that we're gonna do in a particular week. You'll have different um, different diary appointments, you know, clubs, meetings, things like that, um, that that can't be moved. And then see what time you have available around those where you can get things done. Decide what you can realistically achieve in each day. And I think re- relates to this: you, you've got to know yourself and plan accordingly. You've got to know when, like, when are the times that you are going to be, uh, you know, high on energy or, or creativity, and do the energetic or the creative things in those times. So, so for me, for example, I generally try to plan most of my talk writing time in the early morning because that is when I am the most, um, you know, when I can do those kind of thinking tasks the most. I don't plan it for immediately after I come in from work because my brain is kind of frazzled and you know uh, I want to do something a bit more mundane at that point. Maybe um, you know maybe hoover the living room, maybe pay some bills or maybe just sit in front of the telly and that's fine too. So, so get, get to know what works for you but don't forget that all your plans are under God's control. Proverbs 16, verse 9 says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. We can do all the planning that we like, but God is in charge. He knows what's going to happen. He has got an overall plan. It's him who's going to make things happen or not. Um, In the the New Testament, uh, James picks up on this theme. Uh, Maybe that's a little bit small. Um, But James says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. So all of our planning must be done in the, in the knowledge and dependence on God's sovereignty, his loving control over the events of our life. Now I'm going to assume that we can uh, skip the bit about actually doing the tasks um, because uh, like every task is totally different. There are little things, there are big things, there are, you know, th- things are done in lots of different ways. Um, And and you can't really give general rules on on actually doing those tasks. Uh, You've kind of just got to get on and do it once you've planned. So we're gonna think about the next step, which is uh, looking backwards. Um, So if planning or looking forwards is important, then looking backwards absolutely is too. This is the art of, of reflecting and reviewing. Try to plan a regular time every week or every month, um, or however often you think is realistic. Don't try to be too ambitious. Um, when you're going to look over one of these areas of responsibility and uh, honestly assess how you're getting on in that area, just spend you know, half an hour or an hour. It's amazing how much you'll get done if you just say, I'm going to spend this time, um, you know, be undistracted and, and review how I've got on in this area. Ask yourself questions. Am I fulfilling my mission statement? Am I serving God and doing good to others? Am I being lazy and neglecting that area? Or has it become too big in my life? What tasks have I done? What projects have I completed? What have I not done? And how can I make sure that they're going to get done in the future? Do this prayerfully and do it in the knowledge that if you've done well, all the glory goes to God. And if things have gone badly, then you are still as secure in God's love as you ever were or ever will be. And finally, I want to touch on another really important aspect of productivity, which I saw a minute ago. Uh, Take care of yourself. Because you can't serve God and do good to others to the best of your ability if you are not at your best. This includes looking after yourself physically, mentally, and spiritually. Uh, I would suggest that each of these could be a project and your personal area of responsibility. Uh, So plan to do these things as you would other tasks. Don't feel guilty about that. And and reflect on how you're doing in them as well. So first look after yourself physically. This means eating right. It means exercising um, as you're able and sleeping well. It means taking care of personal hygiene and um, stop yourself getting sick and taking the rest that you need when you do get sick. We won't be, uh, obviously, we won't be perfectly healthy all the time. Many of us might have uh, long term issues which hinder our productivity, whether that's physical or mental illness. But God has sovereignly arranged for you to be in the position, the circumstance that you're in. And he will use it for his glory as you do whatever you are able to. Secondly, look after yourself mentally. Everybody needs to rest. We all need to take time out, whether that's, you know, watching the TV, reading a book, going for a walk, whatever it is that you do to relax. We all need holidays to recharge the batteries, to break out of our normal routines and get refreshed. Resting is something which we all need to do as human beings. And I've got a feeling that God made us to need rest and sleep so that we would be able to depend on him. So we'd learn to depend on him, sorry. There just comes a point where we've got to down tools, take a break and let God take charge of things. Resting enables us to be productive. So it's definitely not something to feel guilty about as if we've got to be ticking things off the to-do list all the time instead it is something that we should enjoy and something that we should uh, use as a tool in our productivity and finally it's absolutely vital to look after your spiritual health in your good ambitions to serve God and to do good to others don't neglect your primary calling which is to grow in your relationship with God to love him to grow in your love for him to grow in holiness. There's no amount of productivity that will make up for neglecting that. Plan time to study the Bible. Plan time to pray. Plan time to confess your sin to God and to one another. Plan how you'll put it to death. Plan being in church and plan how you will invest in relationships with other believers. Plan how you'll you'll disciple less mature Christians and how you'll share the gospel with unbelievers. Plan to read good Christian books, like Do More Better, which is five pounds at the end of the service. But plan, don't don't leave these things to chance. If you don't plan, then more often than not, you'll be neglecting that that area. So let's summarize our uh, effective model of productivity. There's four parts to it. Define your goals. Look forwards, plan. Look backwards and reflect and look after yourself physically, mentally, and spiritually. I said at the start that the idea of this is to bring some order to a chaotic life, to make that plate spinning calmer, more manageable, more productive. So so it it might seem a bit counterintuitive to you to add, add these extra things, these extra almost responsibilities into your already busy schedule. And in fact, I can imagine a lot of you thinking, Jai, that sounds great in, in theory, but what planet are you on that you think this is going to happen? You just don't know how busy and unpredictable life can be. And that is certainly true. Uh, I, I don't have kids to look after. Um, I, I don't have to work ridiculously long hours to make ends meet. Uh, I have no idea what most of your lives look like on a day-to-day basis. But, but I know for sure that in my experience... Having this sort of model is really worth it. Putting that little bit of time in um, on a regular basis to plan and to reflect is really worth it. It, It's not gonna eliminate stress. This is not like a silver bullet. And I'm sure Hannah will tell you that, that I still get stressed at times, but it helps me to know what I'm doing and why I'm doing it, which means I don't get nearly as, as overwhelmed as I once did. It might take you a little bit of time to, to set, set this up and to get into it and to kind of find your feet. Um, and, and hopefully you'll find that you want to adjust and, and tweak things along the way to make it work for you in your situation. But whatever you do, make sure that you are building on that firm foundation of the gospel, a firm foundation of God's grace, and make sure you do something. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's by the gift of God, not by works so that no one can burst. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2, eight to 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. You'll recognize that from Galatians 6, verses 9 and 10. And above all, let us keep trusting in and relying upon our good shepherd, who leads us and guides us in righteousness and goodness, and who will bring us home to hear those words of the master. Well done, good and faithful servant.